Mara Cepeda, today's guest, is a co-founder and managing director of Zebras Unite, an international and intersectional hybrid cooperative creating the capital, culture, and community for the next economy. Zebras Unite members include founders, investors, and ecosystem builders. She'll share insights about her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Mara, thank you so much for joining me for this important conversation. It's just a thrill to connect with you. You're, you're you know, a, a globally recognized leader, and I'm excited to have you here today. I'm so happy to be here, Devin. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you uh, are one of the key founders and the leader of uh, Zebras Unite, Uh Zebra here in this case is uh, not about wildlife. We're talking about entrepreneurs leading businesses that don't aspire to become unicorns. So tell us a little bit about Zebras Unite. Sure. Zebras Unite, or Zebras if you're in the rest of the world, is an international cooperative that is creating the capital, culture, and community for the next economy. And the movement was very much born out of a pattern that I experienced myself as a founder. I was a venture-funded uh, tech startup founder prior to, or I should say, in, in the process of founding Zebras Unite. So the, it was founded by four women, and all of us had a very similar experience, which was we wanted to grow our companies in a different way. We were interested in mutualism, cooperation, shared prosperity. We were looking for alternative ownership models. We weren't interested in the extractive growth at all cost Silicon Valley model of what we see with um, billion dollar unicorn companies. And so that really led us down this path of articulating what it was that we wanted to be. And our manifesto in 2017, Zebras Fixed What Unicorns Break, we began to sketch out this dichotomy between what, who benefits from unicorn companies and who benefits from zebra companies, which is what we were building. And that clarion call reached out to... Um, it feels like, yeah, hundreds of thousands of people at this point and tens of thousands of people got back to us and they said, what you're describing is exactly what I'm building and I'm facing the same challenges. And so that's how the movement was born. It's a, it's a phenomenal uh, occurrence and it, you're, you're now building a formal co-op. Uh, tell us about the co-op and how, you know, its membership and the activities of the co-op. Sure. Well, for those that don't know, you know, cooperatives are an incredibly old corporate form, so we're not inventing anything new there. But what has been an interesting innovation is in the last few years, multi-stakeholder cooperatives have started to gain in popularity. For those of you that might be familiar, for example, your grocery store co-op, you know, it's pretty straightforward, one member, one vote. And so there are positives to that. And, you know, it's a very democratic model, but especially when you're looking at tech enabled platforms or anything that might have technology or might require a lot of investment from founders, what we really saw was we needed a different corporate form. And so along comes the multi-stakeholder co-op, which says that you can have multiple stakeholder classes inside of a co-op. So that really created so much opportunity for creativity and imagination. So what you can imagine now is that co-op has a class of shares for the founders. The founders have put blood, sweat, and tears into it. They can now receive more of an upside, let's say. 
You might have another class for our nonprofit. So we have a nonprofit called zebras.org, zebrasunite.org. That nonprofit holds 5% of our co-op. And so what that enables now is you have values alignment with both mission and you also have the opportunity for multiple people to become member owners. So anyone who wishes to be a member owner now can become a member owner of the cooperative. Um, we have about 300 members around the world. We just launched last year and we have about 30 chapters around the world, which has been really exciting to see the way that the Zebras Unite brand and ethos um, can be adopted by other cultures, and most of all, how those other cultures can actually educate and inform us about, you know, very old practices from other cultures that really speak to this ethos. Yeah, it, it is something really important that you're building. Um, it, it seems to me that a fundamental part of what you're building is a collective that cooperates to help one another build a successful small enterprise. So it seems to me that one of the questions I had is it's not a co-op of co-ops, right? Your members, Zebras, are entrepreneurs, many of whom uh, own a business that is either a solopreneur or a small company, maybe owned by a single person at this point. Uh, how is that working for your members? How are they coming together and building and sharing and cooperating? Yeah, it's a great question. So the folks that we work with, it's interesting because we work with almost with both sides of the marketplace. So if you can imagine, you have the demand of entrepreneurs. They're looking for other companies to do business with. They're looking for service providers. They're looking for vendors. They're looking to sell their products or services. They are looking for best practices. They're looking for education. They're looking for resources like this show and all of the work that you're doing, Devin. And so you have on the one hand that entire ecosystem of entrepreneurs. And then on the other hand, you have the supply of capital. And that's been the part that's been really interesting and exciting to us is there are capital providers that have come to us really from the beginning of the movement saying, look, we want to invest in zebra companies, but we need you to help us create the like do the financial engineering to help to create capital products that meet the demand of the marketplace. And so what makes us very unique is we can do all of this deep listening and service to our members who are entrepreneurs to figure out what do they need? How can we help them to grow their businesses by connecting with customers? How can we give them the, the research and tools and education they need? And then we can take all of that learning and those members can then help to build the capital products that are right for their companies. So you have this incredibly mutualistic cycle of constant learning to be able to inform creating new corporate structures, capital instruments, governance protocols and processes. And so you can kind of imagine it's just this ecosystem that keeps feeding itself and growing by virtue of, as you said, all cooperating together. So the folks that we serve and the members that we have are really coming from um, an abundance mindset, right? It's like power is infinite and we're interested in building power with our members and with the economy. We're not interested in this kind of scarcity winner takes all mindset. And so what you find is a lot of the founders that we serve have just a very different mindset, which is one of mutualism and cooperation. 
it is a, a, a very noble objective. Um, how did you personally come to this? What was What's the story that brings you to where you are today? Gosh, there's so many entry points to that. Um, my, I am the daughter of two artists. My father was a painter from Honduras, and my mother is an arts educator and a cellist. And so I grew up in a very creative environment and household. I grew up in Sedona, Arizona, and Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so you're constantly surrounded by artists and creativity. And I'm an artist myself, but the medium that was most interesting to me has always been collective potential. Um, How do we work together to unleash creative collective potential? How can we learn, learn from one another? How can we develop deep, authentic relationships? How can that work um, be in service to larger things larger than ourselves? And so um, what I ended up, the the medium that I ended up focusing on, I guess, is very much organization building. I came from a background as an economic reporter for NPR. So I've had a number, I've had a very long winding journey, but um, most prior to me being a founder, I was a reporter for National Public Radio where I was focusing mostly on the economy. And I would say there, um, in addition to sort of the creativity that I'm inclined towards, the the tools that a reporter has are invaluable as a founder. The notion of pretty insatiable curiosity, a very open-hearted listening, um, really listening for emotion and story, and you know, trying to create harmony and resonance so that the story is um, compelling. So. I would say that it's that blend of storytelling and community um, that is kind of mo- that most informs my journey here. And then obviously my experience as a founder, but a, a lot of this, it's, it's hard to describe because um, what I'm most motivated by is really just building things with friends. <laughs> and so I will build just about anything with a group of people that I feel Um, resonant with. So I've just been very fortunate to build a number of companies and businesses and organizations with collaborators who make me so much better and with teams that are bringing such extraordinary um, brilliance and talent that at a certain point, it all becomes like, how do we serve this larger, this larger collective genius is I suppose what I'm really interested in. Yeah. You've been, I mean, this movement you've helped launch is extraordinary, you know, global already in its reach, uh, and, and yet still, you know, just in some some ways, still very young. The, the potential uh, for real global change is significant and exciting. What do you see as your superpower that's enabling you to do all this? Hmm. I think the superpower that I guess I call on the most is probably listening. Um, there's, it's, it's not really possible to, um, yeah, I mean, listening is just like, you could, (laughs) you could just spend years understanding listening. There's the inner work of listening to yourself and developing practices that are authentic to who I am and how I wish to show up in the world. And then there's listening to others. And inside of that harmony, you're able to build things beyond your wildest imagination. There's also listening to the cultural moment. 
of what the cultural moment is calling for. Um, and there's listening to one's body. And so all of those attunement practices are ones, I don't know if I can say that I have a superpower, but um, they're, they're the, that, that's kind of foundationally where I'm always interested in learning. Yeah. As you think about this superpower, listening and, and being able to be attuned to what's going on, um, can you think of an example of a time when you used that and had a, an outcome that you're proud of? Um, I think that one, you know, I, I honestly think it's just literally building anything with people is kind of, it's a miracle, frankly. Um, so, you know, as an example, the four of us, Jen Brandel, Brandel, who's one of the Zebra co-founders and I, we were both radio reporters. The business that she um, built called Harkin, which works with newsrooms around the country. And I, my, um, my company actually merged with Jen's. We were, we came from a radio background and then we met Astrid and Astrid, you know, has a PhD in economics. She was working in the nonprofit and social impact space, space, but her focus was actually on ecological economics. So the market that she was listening to in all of her field research had to do with the ecological resources, how we use them and how we can think of them differently to be non-extractive. And then we folded in Ania Williams. Um, Ania, in addition to being a trained classical opera singer, was developing a patent for this very novel um, headset at the time. <laughs> so she was really focused on how do we create more beautiful experiences through listening. And the four of us, as we have talked about quite openly, and it's a really big part of the organization, really came from such different backgrounds and lived experiences. And in order for us to build this organization over five years, we've had to go through a crucible of communication. We've had times when the organization has practically fallen apart. We've had times when some of us have had to step back. Um, we've had times where we've had to navigate conflict. And that requires actually, you know, learning, up-leveling your communication skill set. It requires everybody being committed to continuing to be in relationship. You know, my, my, as a child of divorce, like my first um, instinct is always just to like peace out. Like I, my instinct is I just want to leave. Um, and each person has their own kind of trauma response to when things get really conflicted or heavy. So that relationship has certainly been, of, been one of the longest term collaborations that I've had with three people who I love dearly and the stakes are so high and our, our dream is so um, shared and, and so beautiful. And in order to do that, it requires creating communication norms. And so as a result, what that's meant is our team has now grown to 12 people on six in six different countries is we've had to proliferate those communication norms and create processes and a culture of how we navigate conflict, how we show up as our full selves, and how we really model the values that we espouse as Zebras Unite. And so that is now a cultural endeavor with our team, as well as our members, as well as our collaborators and our customers. So it kind of ripples out. Um, but that nucleus is of whatever the patterns are that are established has so reverb, you, I think. Yeah. So as you think about what you created there uh, as a team, you you had to formalize that process for you know 
fine-tuning communication practices and culture. And so you've thought about this. What are some of the things that you have done to institutionalize good communication that you would coach other people to do? Hmm. I mean, there are some tools that we've learned. So, I mean, mirroring is one really powerful example of before you proceed, reflecting back the converse, the question or the, the statement. So you just asked me, you know, what are some tools that you would recommend to others about communication? It's actually quite extraordinary, the delta between what just came out of your mouth and what I heard and how infrequent it is that we actually take the time to make sure that what we heard is actually what what was said. So number one is mirroring. Um, In terms of conflict situations, I would say there's a helpful tool that we use, which is kind of a preamble to a sentence, which is the story I'm telling myself is. And that provides a really safe way to say, the story I'm telling myself is that you don't appreciate anything that I've done and you want me out of here and you hate everything that I've ever contributed to this organization. So it allows for like really safe, vulnerable sharing. Um, we've also instituted safe words. So when things get a little bit too heated, you know, we'll, in, we'll int- introduce safe words. And we call on facilitators quite often to help us navigate conversations. It, in my experience, it's very difficult to... Um, be able to facilitate a difficult conversation. You need somebody to be able to hold that space for you. And then we've developed processes like accountability pods. So um, defining really clearly what your goals are and how you wish to show up in the world. And then the accountability pod system makes it possible for you to constantly revisit what that plan is and, you know, talk out with your colleagues. This is where I'm falling short. This is where I've had some wins and successes. So um, it involves just kind of a a constantly evolving culture of communication, I would say. And those are some of the techniques that we've learned. Fantastic. Well, those are really powerful insights, Marta, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share them. Before we wrap up, would you just take a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Zebras Unite? And I want to call out especially that that you tell people how they can find out about joining. Coach them a little bit on that process in case they want to do that. And then finally, uh, tell people how they can connect with you, whether that's social media or whatever, however you might prefer that people connect with you personally. Sure. So to learn more about the movement, go to zebrasunite.coop and there you'll see that it's easy to join. So if you wish to join as a member owner, you can join the co-op as Devin is a member and learn Mm -hmm. more about what the benefits are. And um, there's all sorts of benefits ranging from offering your products and services at a discount and creating partnerships, um, hosting webinars about your theory of change and what it is that you're working on, finding collaborators, finding customers. And so being a member owner, um, we've made it very reasonable for you to enter that way. If you really wish to see from the ground up what it looks like and what it feels like to be a part of a cooperative. If you're not ready for that step and there's a lot of informational onboarding and information before you have to um, buy your share, We invite you to join our free online community, which is a a community of about 10,000 people around the world. And if you go to our website, zebrasunite.coop, you'll see a link to our online community. And that's a place to connect. 
We have, um, I have a regular managing director meet and greet that happens about um, twice a month. You can connect with other people. You can, there's all sorts of resources. And then we host a ton of events on Crowdcast. So look out for, um, if you go to our Crowdcast channel, you can see, I think, over 70 programs that we've hosted related, related to a lot of the topics that we've discussed today. Um, in terms of me personally, you can find me on LinkedIn by searching my name and follow me on Twitter at Mata Zapata. And those managing director meet and greets are really the best way to kind of pop in. And it's always a, a fun time and a way to get to know people and to get to know others um, in the movement. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. We wish you every success in growing Zebras Unite and, you know, creating more prosperity for more people in the world. We really hope that that works. Thank you so much, Devin. It was a pleasure. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.